All right, welcome to episode 16 of the Breaking Balls podcast. I had big plans for this intro. I was going to make a lot of joke about horses because the Broncos played the Colts and they disappointed me so badly that I don't even want to talk about it, Bob. Nope, instead we got the 2006 Preakness Stakes where we took Barbaro out back and just, you know, took care of him. It was that bad for all the horses, so let's just get this over with Dolly. Episode 16 of the Breaking Balls podcast. It's the Sweet 16, Adam, but it's not so sweet tonight. I mean, that Thursday night game left a bitter taste in our mouths, my friend. Colts 12, Broncos 9, and nobody wins. No, um, too many appearances from kickers tonight for my liking. Um, Not a single touchdown. I mean... These Thursday night games just keep getting better and better. Um, this one takes the cream of the crop. I mean, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson was – Russell Wilson, man. Russell Wilson is really bad. I mean, after tonight, Russell Wilson is clearly very bad. Matt Ryan is somehow worse than Russell Wilson. And this game is somewhere in between the two. It was just terrible. I mean, I, I, there was really nothing nothing to remember about this game. Like I said in the intro, I barely even want to talk about it, Bob. This, it was awful. Yeah, there's some sick bastard out there, though, that cashed his 66-to-1 ticket for no touchdowns tonight. Uh, Hey, congrats to that guy, whoever you are. Uh, First, I think, primetime game we've had without a touchdown since, like, I think it was Saints-Bucks week 15, 2021. So, it's been a little bit, but, you know, these Thursday night games, man. I'm sure old Jeff Bezos is looking at that Amazon contract saying, you know, has that, has that check gone through all the way? You know, what are we, we going to have to do to get out of this? Because, man, I mean, Herb Street and Al Michaels, they were openly shitting on the game tonight. I mean, they you could you could tell they had no interest in it once it got to be just laughable. Um, and you're going to see more of it next week, not to spoil it, but you got commanders embarrassed. So, I mean, you know, no end in sight for this game, man. Whew, ugly. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, Bob. I mean, if Al Michaels, one of the most storied commentators of all time, uh, can't find anything to say about your product that's positive, I mean, if you're the NFL, you got to take a look at the mirror. I mean, oh, this was awful. I mean, there were so many arguments for why you don't play a Thursday night game. Um, You know, we had a ton of injuries in this game. Um, One of those things that felt like every three plays, there was somebody falling down. just the lack of offense. I mean, I love defense as much as the next guy. And I think everybody knows that, but to have just the complete lack of touchdowns, I mean, it, it hurts, man. I get that the stat sheet, you look at the box score and somehow there was yards in this game, but watching it, it sure didn't feel like it, Bob. If I want to watch no touchdowns in a football game, I'm going to turn on to ESPN two at noon Eastern on a Saturday morning and watch Northwestern play Illinois with Beth Mowens commentating it. Okay, I don't I don't want it to be in the NFL. I want to see a couple points here. Right? These are the best of the best here. 
And uh, you, know, you even saw the Broncos fans leaving as overtime started. I mean, it was just a, it was a bad look for everyone involved here. When have you ever seen an NFL game tied? Their fans at home are leaving, especially starting overtime. I mean, it just it goes to show just the product was bad tonight all around. And uh, you know, Matt Ryan was so bad in this game, but somehow they ended up winning this game. I mean, Russell Wilson. Not a good start in Denver. I mean, the, the Boo Birds were out again. Uh, you know, they just look out of sync. Jerry Judy has a case of the drops. You have linemen dropping like flies. I mean, just bad recipe to start for Nathaniel Hackett. He is sweating already. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've talked about it a couple times on the show about how Denver sports fans are harder on their coaches and quarterbacks than than a lot of the national, you know, national media coverage kind of gives them credit for. But you're starting to see it. And I think, you know, these fans are starting to get fed up. They're paying Russ a lot of money to see their punter and kicker on the field as much as they are right now. And there's really no end in sight. This offense, you know, they have weapons. So I guess there's, you know, there's always that possibility that they strike out of this at any point. But as far as what they've put on film to this point, there's really nothing to give you much hope if you're a Broncos fan. And I mean, those people, I mean, to think of the money that they spent on those tickets and to get free football going into overtime and to just, ah, I'll pass. I mean, just terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> that? That's wild. That's crazy to me. I mean, yeah, just absolutely wild. Um, but I get it. I mean, would you want to sit and, you know, I'm not even sure what the weather was like in Denver, but I wouldn't want to sit out that night. I mean, what's the point? You're sitting there watching field goals at altitude. I mean, ugh. Just awful, awful football. I felt bad if you bought yeah. it after that. Yeah. That being said, I mean, Matt Ryan was a dead man walking off. I mean, they were all over him tonight. Bradley Chubb just uh, – it felt like you could put a salt charge on him if you were Matt Ryan's wife. Like, I mean, it just – they were they were worried about their their fam their their family staying intact after Matt Ryan came off the field. I mean, he was just getting bodied out there, and yeah. you know, looked kind of like Peyton Manning twenty fifteen noodle arming at halftime. He wasn't sure if it was him or the line, but man, not a good recipe out there in Indy. You know, as a law student who has taken community property and understands the intestate secession, what I will say is is that each week that Matt Ryan steps back into that pocket. I hope that he has his will in order because there is a strong chance that one of these hits will be his last. He stands back there like a statue. His offensive line can't pass block for anything. And there is a good chance that we see Matt Ryan put six feet under in an NFL stadium at some point this year. And I, I hope it won't happen. I am not saying that is what I would like to see. What I am saying is that there is a strong chance that one of these freak athletes ha can put Matt Ryan through the turf because he is an absolute statue in the pocket. Sacked six times tonight, Bob. Six times. Not all of them were his fault. His offensive line wasn't great. But at some point, you got to move around in the pocket, Matty Iceberg. He's six sacks, you said. He fumbled a couple times. I don't think they, they coughed up any of them, but, he, I mean, he had three or four fumbles in the in the pocket. And then I saw a stat tonight. He's thrown seven picks already in India, Indianapolis. Carson Wentz the entire season last year through seven. I'm, how many times was Carson Wentz actually playing with those ankles? I'm, or, I'm just saying. Uh, that is something to note there. I mean – 
Fair enough. Mm, you know, the grass isn't always greener, maybe. That's that's all. Well, the hair is always redder, though. I'll tell you that much. Which I will, I will say, by the way, Carson Wentz only having seven picks last year in Indianapolis. We gave him a lot of shit, like he'd thrown more. Um, I'm just, that was kind of shocking to me anyway. But, yeah, they already have the same amount of picks this year. And Matt Ryan's only five games in. Just not a good trend and not a recipe for winning football down the line in Indianapolis. They won tonight just because I think one of those teams had to win. I don't, I don't really know how the hell they did, but uh, it's not going to be sustainable long-term. That's for sure. I mean, I, does anybody, is anybody scared of Matt Ryan throwing the ball? No, even without Jonathan Taylor, that team's not a threat. I mean, the biggest question that I have, and it was going through my mind the entire time we were getting ready to record this podcast after the game is how the hell did this Colts team beat the Chiefs? The fact that that exists. They didn't, they didn't have special teams. The Chiefs tried to play a game without special teams, and they, they didn't work. That's the only way. Oh, my gosh, dude. I mean, this Colts team has no business beating anybody right now, and the fact that they somehow have won two games, I mean, ugh. atrocious. Atrocious, atrocious. Those are the kind of those are the kind of games it's going to take for them to win games, though. They're, they're not going to win pretty. That was a big brain comment there. Yeah. I love that, but yeah. just that was a lot of wins in a row for me. So I kind of got lost in the win sauce. But I think uh, I think I'm with you. I'm not gonna. I think I think I think I followed you. They are going to have to win these games pretty freaking ugly, dude. They do not have. They do not have what it takes right now, and their running backs are currently dropping like flies too. So this doesn't get any better. I'm telling you that much. I I appreciate that the Colts training staff was like, hey, we're not going to make the same mistake as last week, and uh, we're not going to throw Naheem Hines back in there. You're done, kid. We're we're not even going to play this game. So yeah. uh, credit to them for at least having an uh, you know. Somewhat of an EP training staff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, is this a bad time to tell you that I decided to bring on the Miami Dolphins team doctor as the Breaking Balls podcast doctor? Oh, well, bring him on then. That was a great segue. <laughs> no, I, but I mean, Ad, we've kind of just trashed this game for the last eight, nine minutes. Is there anything else that we need to say here? Can we put nope. a bow on this turd? Nope, I'm done. Well, I think I, let's, I, I, let, let's move on to let's move on to happier news. Oh, wait, actually, this is going to be a negative start to the podcast because well, it depends on who you ask, I guess, here. Let's move to NASCAR here, Ad, because we had some news drop this afternoon. In the thick of the playoff race, one race left in the round of 12 here, heading to the Charlotte Roval. William Byron was, what, 12, 13 points out of the playoff spot. Had that big penalty ruling from Denny Hamlin's incident a couple weeks ago at Texas. And all of a sudden, an independent ruling came out today after the appeal that uh, they're going to keep the fine, $100,000 still, but they're going to rescind that penalty for playoff points. And William Byron, as it stands, is safe in the playoffs. No penalty points. Basically gets off scot-free for wrecking Denny Hamlin. Adam. What the, what the hell, man? Are you as pissed as me, or am I just being irrational? No, I don't think you're being irrational. I, I just, I guess I'm not surprised, because this is vintage NASCAR decision-making. This is how they've shown us over the past decade or so that this is how they do business. Um, I, I'm disappointed. 
I wish it wouldn't end like I, I wish it wouldn't end up like this. I wish they could be consistent. I understand the appeals process. I would love to take a look at it and see what convinced them to decide that the points penalty was too much. But I mean, this is absurd. I mean, you have guys that are going to be able to openly make a mockery of races under caution if they want to. As long as, you know, there's some sort of emotional thing going on between drivers, somehow NASCAR is just going to let this slide for some reason. And I just, it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they're, the one thing that NASCAR is consistently is inconsistent. And this decision and everything around surrounding the process really just verifies that to me as a fan. You can never trust NASCAR. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't. Under, I just don't understand this. I, it, it pisses me off, but I'm not surprised. I just don't get it, Bob. I don't understand how, as a sanctioning body at the highest level, you can constantly get stuff like this wrong, like NASCAR does. It's incredible. Uh, and I will say to NASCAR's credit here, just to not bury him here, um, it was an independent team that did come up with the ruling here to, to clear it. Um, it was a couple promoters. I know it was a short chat guy from Bowman Gray was one of them here. They're, uh, the drama, is, again, this is all for entertainment and TV more than, you know, the integrity of the racing when it comes down to it. So not totally shocked here. That being said, it just sets a really dangerous precedence moving forward here. Who's to say, you know, Denny Hamlin, not in the championship for some reason or another, goes out and wrecks William Byron or somebody in the in the late in the race, you know, well, that's tough noodles, basically. Just tough shit, man. I mean, what are you going to do about it? it just it. I'm not saying that anybody's going to go out there and risk their career for something like that, but it just it it does set a dangerous, dangerous precedence here. And uh, you know, for someone like William Byron, who has a pretty clean record overall, not a big deal. But it's 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 teams like Hendrick Motorsports that kind of you know they're already the blue bloods of the sport. They already have some controversy with that Le Mans team in NASCAR a couple of months ago. They're teaming with NASCAR only for that road car, and they get a little extra testing. So just, you know, things like that, they just don't give NASCAR the benefit of the doubt when they really haven't earned it with fans. They haven't earned it. And, you know, I just think that in an instance like this, it's cut dry. There needs to be a points penalty because otherwise, like I, like I was alluding to, you have guys that could just run around and make an absolute mockery of the race. And I think what you need to understand if you're NASCAR is look at your young stars right now. Look at Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs is running into people on pit lane. You know, you got Noah Gregson who earlier in the year wreck just decided to cause a wreck at the road course. I believe it was Portland or I want to, was it Portland? I can't remember exactly where it was, but Portland Watkins was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Portland. I can't remember it. But you have these guys who are so willing to wreck people and to do stuff like this when they get angry. And of course, like you said, William Byron isn't the person, but he is somebody who is, has a, the respect of these young guys because, of course, he's just a little bit older than him, but he's been around a little bit longer. He's somebody that they look up to and understand, okay, hey, this is kind of the path of how we do things. And if they see a guy like that do it and not get penalized, what do you think Ty Gibbs is going to do? I mean, seriously, I mean, at this point, it's just open season. You're opening a door that I don't think NASCAR really understands. And it's a witch's box that once you open it, it can't be closed. And 
from now on, they're going to have to, you know, they're always going to have this precedent, this bad precedent set to where it's like, well, why am I getting a penalty? Anytime they go into an appeal now, this this decision will be sitting there and it's going to bite them. And I just, I don't think this is going to be good for the sport. I, I It's the more I think about it, the more it pisses me off, Bob, I'm going to be honest. No, I, I absolutely get it. It's just, it's one of those things that it's just, it just, it doesn't look good for NASCAR. Like you said, it just, I, it sets a dangerous tone. And I, I, especially with the Harvick news coming out then too, uh, with, yeah, they, they leveled a hundred points for, I, I believe drivers, a hundred thousand dollars. And they've suspended Rodney Childress for altering parts. It's just, you know, one week after another with NASCAR, it's just, again, this tie, not the tie gives with the William Byron, it shouldn't have even happened to where this, 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 penalty should have happened. NASCAR should have been on it from race control at the moment watching the race and black flagged him and had it happen there. But no, it, it was NASCAR's ineptitude that led to this unraveling and becoming a bigger shit show than it needed to be. And it's the same thing with the Kevin Harvick stuff. We haven't exactly seen, I don't think exactly what it is that they've caught them, that they've altered or modified. There's been rumors it's safety pieces. And if that's the case after the last couple weeks, what the hell? I mean, yeah, whatever. I have a tinfoil hat take on the oh, no. Rodney Childers. Oh, yes. It's a safety piece, Bob, that they modified. It's a safety piece that they modified. Two of the most vocal critics of NASCAR, Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick, all year. I think that they took the opportunity when they knew their car was going to go into inspection. They knew they're out of the playoffs, so this really doesn't matter. And they decided to shove it up NASCAR's ass and say, here's how you make this safer. And they modified it. They modified their part. They put it on there and said, shove it. This is how you make it safer. I can make it safer because I've been in the sport this long and you can't tell me that I'm wrong, but you're still going to have to suspend me and find me. And I don't, I don't think they give a shit to be honest with you. I think those guys have made enough money to where what's a, what, what is that fine to them? for something that they truly believe in. And if that's the case, more power to them, but that's my tinfoil hat. Well, that I will give you credit for that. It, they have nothing to lose. I mean, where they're at in their, in their playoffs being eliminated. I mean, they don't care. They're just trying to kind of burn NASCAR at this point and, you know, make them expose the ineptitude that this season has been for the car. You know, as much as the racing has been good at times, the safety has been the biggest concern and that outweighs everything. And so you see that, the other notable driver that kind of came out with, you know, modifying parts earlier in the season was Brad Keselowski and RFK. And early in the season, they were critical about, you know, this, you know, NASCAR funded, NASCAR supplying all the different parts to the teams. It's not made in-house anymore. It's supplied from a third party. RFK was very vocal about that. And they, you saw them get weighed with a heavy penalty early in the season. The exact same one that Kevin Harvick's gotten, you know, again, I don't want to put on the Adam O'Shea tinfoil hat just quite yet, but it is interesting to see that the guys that are openly going against NASCAR and being vocal are the ones that are getting made examples of when um, not quite as extreme, but William Byron has a on-track incident and gets fined, and that's it. When NASCAR's precedent, for the most part, historical on on-track incidents has been a suspension or at least playoff points or driver points. So I don't know, Ad. I, Twilight Zone music off. There you go. Back to normal programming. Yeah. I mean, there's just too many things that, like we said, NASCAR has just built this distrust with their fan base and it's alienating their fans. And I don't think they realize the damage that they're doing. 
All that being said, we've got the Roval this week, Bob, and oh my, am I excited about it. I'm still going to watch it. These bastards have me reeled in like a fucking big mouth bass, and I am so excited for the Roval cutoff race. I mean, where do we even start? Who do you like in this one, Bob? Uh, it's hard to go against Chase Elliott just because the road course king and all that, but I'm going to be honest here. Wait for it. Ross Chastain. Oh. He's he's been quietly consistent the last few weeks. Pretty darn good on a road course. One at Coda. That track house team has been really nails at road course racing this year between him and Suarez. And they're running the same package as RCR, which Tyler Reddick has been historically good at road courses this year. Just saying. Watch Ross Chastain at, at, uh, at the Roval, man. If it's a shit show, Ross is going to be involved. No, I think I think that's a fun pick, Bob. I, you know, I like this with, you know, with, with the fun element that Charlotte, you know, the Roval brings into this with the high bank, you know, kind of turns that you don't often see with this, I guess, speedway turns. And then obviously the chicane for those of you who are wondering if I can pronounce that word, I can definitely say that word. So, um, I, I just, I love it because it's a different type of road course. I'm not exactly sure who I like at this one yet, but as we continue to talk, I think, I don't know, Bob, I, I think I like a guy who's got his back against the wall and somebody that my co-host kind of foretold a little bit that we would be in this situation with somebody who is on the bubble needs a big performance to get in Austin Sindrick. I think he's got enough talent at this road course. I think we haven't seen a ton out of him, but that's NASCAR this year. Why not? Yeah. Why can't he pull out a good setup? Why can't he advance into the next round with a win? And let's flip this thing completely on its head, Bob. I'm looking at the playoff points right now. He's 12 points out now with the Byron update here. So, I mean, he's going to have to either collect stage points, you know, all day or win. And like you said, pretty good road course driver. You know, the guy that you could watch Christopher Bell basically win and get in. They, they're just going to be kind of loading up all day and to get to that track position for the very end. So they're not going to be racing for stage points. They're not going to be caring. They're just going to be trying to get to the end. And guys like that are going to be dangerous toward the end because they have nothing to lose. People like Joe Logano, Kyle Larson, they're, you know, 20 points, 18, 15 points. Exact, I don't know exactly what the number is, but they're just safe enough to where they just got to run a clean race. But they can't be caught up racing guys like Christopher Bell that are, you know, that's all they have is to win and get in. They can't wreck and lose out completely. Otherwise, they're going to be just in that same position. And it's going to be a fun balance to watch those guys that, you know, have to balance strategy versus all in. You know, Bob, uh, a guy who I think I'm going to be watching a lot during this race and the final remaining Stuart Haas race team member, um, Chase Briscoe, um, somebody who has had a little, you know, had a little bit of success, not necessarily the the most uh, the most decorated road course racer, but somebody who needs a win bad here. What do you think of his chances this weekend, Bob? Wouldn't be shocked if he's hanging around there. I mean, you saw him at the Indy Roval last year racing for the win with Denny Hamlin before that controversial finish. But um, he's a guy that, you know, if he has, you know, confidence in his car, he gets a couple laps in his in his belt that, you know, he feels like he's running a couple hot laps. 
wouldn't be shocked to see him running top five toward the end of stage two, end of stage three, and, you know, maybe kind of going for that upset. But um, it's one of those guys that he's definitely going to have to collect stage points and kind of maximize his day if he's not going to win because 12 points is not too far out. But um, he's definitely not in the best spot for sure, especially with his background, like you said, in road course racing. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy to me to think also, you know, I've talked, we talked a little bit there about Chase Briscoe being the only Stuart Haas car. And, you know, Bob, <laughs> seeing the bumper behind you um, kind of reminds me of another lone wolf in the field, Denny Hamlin. One of the only, one of the, could be one of the only Toyotas left in the field coming up here if if things shake out. Um, oh, how the mighty have fallen, it feels like. I mean, in a year with this next-gen car, everybody's been praising the parody and kind of crazy to see that the Toyotas seem to be left out in the dry here, Bob. Somebody who historically, I mean, has kind of been the cream of the crop in NASCAR for the past few years, to say the least. I mean, when's the last time that Gibbs is, I mean, look, Christopher Bell's not dead yet. The body is not completely cold, but uh, the fat lady is starting to warm up in the back. Uh, we'll say that. But, uh, it, I mean, historically, Gibbs has gotten at least two to three cars in the round of eight, whether it's Truex, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. I mean, they've had just veteran drivers that are always championship threats. They had two in the final four last year with Truex and Denny. To have Denny be in the lone threat, which it's not like it's too shocking here, to be quite honest, Adam. You've seen the Toyotas be very inconsistent this year, whether it's their own strategy costing them races at Sonoma, Nashville, a couple different tracks, or they're just woes, whether it's you know reliability. Out West, I know they had issues with overheating. They just, for whatever reason, haven't been able to put together a consistent race or a consistent season. And, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, you have to have consistency to make it long-term. And I think they're getting bit when it, when it matters. I think, I think you're spot on there, Bob. There's really, there's really, this is the time, like you're saying in the playoffs where they're, where the consistency issues are kind of put under a microscope and, Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And that's exactly what's happened to Toyota here, in my opinion. It's just they're, they've been unlucky. They've been unfortunate. They've been stupid on their own behalf. I mean, anything they could possibly do to put themselves in bad situations, they've done. And I just think, you know, it's crazy because you don't often see them make these types of mistakes. But, you know, so is NASCAR. Um, I guess we continue the week. Hopefully we we kind of calm down going into the weekend. NASCAR stops making announcements because at this point my breath hurt, my chest hurts. I don't know, crazy. There is there is one announcement that we didn't cover that I want to because it's actually some good news, at least in my opinion here. Ad. Okay. It's great to see Almondinger full time in the Cup Series again, um, yep, going with colleague. Yep. That's yep. fantastic to see. Right. He's going to be yep. a threat next year to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, Colley having two charters, that 16 car has just kind of been a floater car this year. It felt kind of like a waste. I don't want to say a waste of money because obviously that charter is an investment, but didn't really feel like they had a direction with it this year. And Almendinger said, you know, he's very comfortable with the Xfinity series. He's kind of the, you know, ringer there, if you will, kind of the, the vet among young guys. So I uh, didn't know if he'd go full time again after his, you know, rough spell with Penske, but uh, good to see him making a jump with colleague. You get Chandler Smith. They're stealing him in the Toyotas. They're, they're stealing him the Toyota camp going to colleague. So uh, big week for colleague here for sure. But uh, Dinger in the Cup Series, what do you think? 
Yeah, just excited to see it. Uh, can't be happier for him, man. Like you said, just kind of that rough go with Penske. Um, you know, really kind of had to think after that, when when is this guy going to get another opportunity at Cup? You know, obviously, college racing coming into the sport, the two charters, the 16 car. It just seems like a match made in heaven. I mean, AJ car, AJ needs a car to drive. Colleague has one to drive consistently. And I think this matchup is going to pay dividends for both of them. I think, um, you know, we see AJ Allmendinger is one of those guys that no matter what road course you show up at, you could forget about him completely. Doesn't matter where he starts. When it comes towards about 10 laps to go with stage three, he's going to be around. That's just the way he is. For whatever reason, that's what he's shown to be at road courses. He can, you know, he's good enough at some of the mile and a half. He's wanted a super speedway, obviously, with Talladega. So I'm, I think it's a great signing. I think it's one of those things that both sides could walk away happy and just anxious to see what they can do together next year. Yeah, and the last couple weeks, Justin Haley's had some really good runs with Colleague in, the, in that 31 car. So, you know, that's a good pairing him and Almendinger together. They've had experience in the Xfinity as teammates. So, uh, Colleague with a good one-two punch going in next year for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a good – those are two drivers that, you know, I think as far as the shop morale, you look at those two guys driving your car, I think, you know, those are two guys you can get behind. I'm, I'm excited to see what Colleague does going into the future. No, absolutely. Uh, but Roval Week, Ad, I mean, any any last thoughts before? Uh, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely going to be testy. Obviously, elimination race. Three guys going home with Bowman basically already eliminated. He's not going to be racing. So uh, it, it's it's never going to be as foregone as we as we think it is. It's never going to be just that easy. So um, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of twist or turn. But uh, I can't wait to see. Yep. Um, I'm going to leave us with this thought. Where's Kyle Larson been? Does anybody know where Kyle Larson is? Has anybody seen the five car? Because this feels like a race. I'm not going to say it, but people in the desert. The, the weekly, the weekly Kyle Larson bet. I mean, I'm just saying it may be time to, maybe time to go for it. Fair enough. It feels, Fair it enough. feels right. It feels right this week. I'm telling you. Fair enough, lad. Well, we're about a, we're about a half hour in. We want to do we want to break into the actual NFL coverage that uh, matters instead of the Thursday night stuff. Yeah, I think I think we do need to talk about hypothetical good football because at least it may help me recover from what I just saw. Well, okay. Before we do that, then let's go ahead and get the London game out of the way. Then let's go okay. ahead and let's get that. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Early game: Giants, Packers, both three and one. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that going into London, but uh, yeah. man, if the Giants win this one, we have to start talking about giving them respect, which I'm not ready to do. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Packers here. You know, I love the Packers pick for you. Um, I'm just curious to know what type of drugs Aaron Rodgers is doing on the plane. Um, there's no way that he's going through that flight from beautiful green bay wisconsin to london sober especially given the sweet arm tattoo if there's one thing that that arm tattoo says to me it's that i don't fly sober so um i'm just going to believe that he is on some sort of psychedelic drug for the entirety of the flight hopefully he gets his receivers to join him of some sort so they stop dropping balls um that being said i will never pick the giants to win anything so the packers are probably going to win this game I am likely not going to watch this game. Um, I'll catch the highlights. 
Six thirties early well, bop. It, it is. It, it is. I just took a half a Zan, 13 hours till I land. Have me out like a great. Me out yep, like there a you go. There you go. Do it, Aaron. Do it. But uh, I think we're in consensus on the Packers then. Steelers Bills ad. Uh, Kenny Pickett getting thrown into the Wolves, his first start in Orchard Park in the rowdy stadium of Buffalo. I mean, man, I, I feel for the kid. I mean, that is that is getting thrown into the lion's den for sure. I know he's a veteran quarterback. He's had so many college starts. He's seen so much already. But I don't think he's seen what the people of Buffalo have seen, my friend. That is that's a whole different atmosphere. Yeah, they're you know they're making pizza and file cabinets in the parking lot. They're putting each other through tables. They're baptizing children through tables out in that parking lot. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think. And that's not Kenny, even the dildo on the field. Oh no! Oh gosh! Don't even remind me. Yeah, man. I, I this Buffalo Bills team is just if they if somehow the Steelers win this game, it's. Uh, it's going to be one of those weeks in the national media where everybody asks if the Bills are for real because the Steelers won a football game. But I just don't see it happening, man. There's too much turmoil going on in Pittsburgh. I got I got the Bills big in this one. If the Steelers somehow win this game, it's a testament to how good of a program and just a leader Mike Tomlin is uh, because that would be generally because of him probably changing the rookie – changing into the rookie quarterback and – uh, taking him onto the road in that environment, it would be a very impressive thing. That being said, I think Buffalo is just, you know, they're just a wagon this year, man. I don't know what else. We've 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 tooted them up for five weeks because they've deserved it for the most part. You saw them in that second half last week of Baltimore. When they when they were ready to click, man, it's just hard to stop them. That D-line just rotates in and out. It's just pick pick your weakness if you'd like. Yep. At the end of the day, Bob, nobody circles the wagons quite like the Buffalo Bills. That's right, Boomer. That's right, Boomer. And speaking of Boomer, the, chi- the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears. Well, they're not in Soldier Field, actually. They're at First Bank Stadium. Well, anyway, well, that's not as fun. But anyway, Vikings Bears in the NFC North. Kirk Cousins is at noon, so he is dangerous. He is safe. I'm picking them. Vikings, Vikings, Vikings. Uh, you know, Bob, I'm going to be honest with you. The way you started talking there, I thought that this game here was going to be played in a certain Midwestern city that starts with a C, ends with an O, and has a hickhead in the middle, if you understand. And... Now that it is not, it changes my opinion on this game completely. I believe the Bears are going to win this game by roughly 98 points. I do not like the Vikings at all. I think Kirk Cousins is going to choke. He's still jet lagged from London. I will be eating kibasa, and the Bears are going to win the football game. Go Bears. Oh, man. The Sausage King of Chicago, of Chicago, Abe Froman, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Abe Froman. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Carey. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I just Adam. I, it's noon. Kirk Cousins. That is his. That is his time to shine, my friend. I am not confident in Justin Fields and this Bears team. I'm gonna. I just Neither the Vikings look like a legitimate threat. The Vikings are a legitimate threat to win the NFC North, and like 
to win the North, they've got to beat the Bears, which are the, the bottom dwellers. And no excuse not to win this game at home. Yep. I don't know, man. Justin Fields. Warming up the arm, baby. Warming up that old arm. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, let's go to a weird game here at noon. Let's go to a very strange game. I'm looking at this one thinking these are two franchises that could find a way to completely fuck this game up in ways we have not even imagined. Ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to Cleveland, Ohio to take on the Browns in Paul Brown Stadium or whatever they call it now. I guess it's not Paul Brown anymore. But if one of these teams is going to come out three and two, the other is going to be two and three and Adam. Who's, who's going to shit themselves worse? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Wimini Snicket presents a series of unfortunate events featuring the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, this these are two franchises, like you were saying, that notoriously find ways to lose football games. And the fact that we have an opportunity to that we rarely see in the NFL, that we saw tonight, but both teams may want to lose this game worse than the other one. And I just can't wait to see which team wants to lose more and which team's going to do the weirdest thing to make sure they lose the game. I think it's going to be Cleveland because I think there's good things that have happened towards the city of Los Angeles more recently. So I'm going to choose the Chargers <laughs> because Cleveland simply can't win. Uh, I... I think that there's going to be, if, if there's ever the chance of a meteor hitting Earth, it's going to be on about, I don't know, 12, 15, maybe 1, 15. We'll give them halftime at Cleveland. It's you know dead what? center stadium. I'm going to be honest with you. The game that Bain interrupted in Pittsburgh, I think they got it mildly wrong. I think, I think it's coming this week. I like it. I like these odds. I like Bain invaded this game through the stadium, through the turf. Nobody cared who he was till he put on the mask. It's happening in Cleveland. Oh, man, I, I, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the Chargers here just because Justin Herbert. I, I, I don't feel good about either of these teams. There's my analysis. I'm not a smart man. I don't pretend to be Field Yates out here. But let me tell you, I know, I know, I know pain-stricken franchises because I've lived in one, and these are two pain-stricken franchises. So. Uh, don't get invested in either of these teams. That's all I'm going to say. You know, Bob, tinfoil hat really quickly. I think Justin Herbert's rib injury is actually a peer pressure nose job, and they had to take cartilage from his rib to uh, replace his nose. So that's what happened. I think everybody got the story wrong. It wasn't Tom Brady. It was Justin Herbert. It's a lot of pressure to look good in L.A. I'm telling you, he felt peer pressure to it. That's the tinfoil hat of the week. Moving on. Moving on. Lions-Patriots. Winner is two and three, losers one and four. Do we really think that the Patriots can outscore the Lions? I don't. No. I'm going to say it. I, I don't. Yeah, no. I, 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 Motor City Dan Campbell is going to be Bill Belichick. I can't believe that I am picking the Detroit Lions to go into Foxborough and beat Bill Belichick. But let me tell you, it is on the cusp of midnight on the 7th of October. And God damn it, I am picking Matt Campbell to beat Bill Belichick. Well, I hate it. I don't like it, but accept it. Bob, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're picking Matt Campbell to beat Bill Belichick, 
Dan Campbell. Have, oh we're no, have a tough go because he's gonna uh, have a real tough time doing that. Seeing the fact that Dan Campbell's head uh, coach. <laughs> Anyway, well, you know, like I, I said, it's, it's almost midnight, you know, yeah, it's, hey, it's almost I, midnight. Hey, man, give him a break. The brain's turning off. Bobby's had a long evening. Anyway, I'm fighting. I'm trying to fight my brain to even pick the lines here. I don't want to. But the, the fact, even with Dion, even with, with Swift out, uh, Amon Ross banged up, that team is just rolling right now in offense. And I don't know, man, I just. The Patriots, I know Zappy is just, you know, a spark right now, but I hope he plays quarterback for the rest of time just so you can keep doing the – one more time. That's, That's fantastic. My, That's my zap. That's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> oh, that is. I want that to be my contact photo for you. Um, I'm going to say something crazy because I've been doing it all episode and I kind of, you know, I'm feeling hot. I'm going to keep going. We're going to piece these together for fire. Um, If Bill Belichick weren't Bill Belichick and the Patriots are the Patriots of as they are right now currently, regardless of the quarterback situation, I think Bill Belichick would be on the hot seat. I'm going to be honest with you. If you have a guy that completely controls your roster and you look at it and you're Robert Kraft and you look out on the field and you see the absolute Big Ten offense that he has assembled with no talent, you see absolutely rocking the show with nothing back there but doing his best. And at this point, your defense that is usually airtight can really make up for the offense has some holes in it. And there's one guy responsible for it all. The problem is, is that gentleman is also responsible for you being one of the most dominant pillars of football for the past 20 years or so. Stanley Yelnats? Yes, Bob. <laughs> Stanley <laughs> Nah, man, I'm telling you, though. If, if Bill Belichick weren't Bill Belichick, he would be on the hot seat right now. <laughs> 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 I got you with the Stanley Yelnats. <laughs> how am I supposed to pop with that going on, huh? How's a guy supposed to pop? That's too damn bad. That's too damn bad. You dickhead. <laughs> I love you. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, let's just let's. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm so sorry. Nah, you dude. I don't care. <laughs> let's rip. Oh man, you were on. You were on. You were on a roll there. You were on a roll there. Let's, I, yeah, I, you oh. brought me back down to level zero. I was I was on fire with hot takes. I was spitting them, and I was spitting hot takes like hot cakes out here. And then all of a sudden, Bob comes out and gives me a little bzz, bzz, and I'm fine. So that's a you had me convinced. To, you had me convinced to fire Bill Belichick, but you know that's that's enough of that, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, if that's, it weren't that's if enough. It, if he weren't BB, and if he weren't so damn bad at texting, they would fire him. But here we are. Well, Listen here. Let's let's stay in the AFC East and let's stick with the best coach in that division. Yep, it's time oh, for our weekly Mike McDaniel talk. Oh yes, our boy Wonder is taking on the uh, the Milf Hunter boy Wonder out in New York. Uh, Zach Wilson, yes. the Jets Dolphins. That that's a fun game actually. That 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 game has potential to be sneaky on the radar. Let me tell you, Ad. It's, no. uh, two young teams. Hundred percent. The Mormon Milf Hunter takes his uh takes himself into the game 
I think uh, really looking for a strong follow-up performance. Like I said, was pretty impressed with him um, and how he threw the ball in the last game. We'll be very anxious to see if he can keep any momentum in this one, especially against a, um, a Dolphins team that really looks like they've had things figured out. Um, we'll be very anxious to see how Jacoby Brissett plays because I think is Tua planned, right? Is no, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but. Oh, gosh. It's okay. Clear backup for clear backup. You know, I, uh, I like to think of myself as a man of faith. Um, I don't know how much longer I'll, I'll be in this chair. And that's a deep drive to left by Castellanos. Listen, you had career backups on your mind, my friend. I get it. Oh, I get it. I get one. it. Spin zone. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, gosh. That is just... Any, if you're anyway, here for, I... If you're here for accuracy, you're in the wrong place, ladies and gentlemen. Adam, Adam, just just give me the reins here for a minute, okay? I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be at quarterback. You, you still got Tyreek Hill. You've got Waddle is on the questionable side here, but I think he's going to play... You know, obviously those horses are going to be able to feast on this uh, jet secondary, even with Sauce Gardner. That being said, Brees Hall's looked good. You know, this Jets receiving core has been sneaky, sneaky. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is a one-score game late here. Hey, Bob. Jackson Berrios, high motor guy. He is. He's a high motor athlete. No, he is 100% gritty, gritty. High motor. Hey, honest. Can I be honest? With you? First guy in, last guy out. You know what I mean? Just lunch pail mentality. Yep, deceptive speed. Really deceptive yes. speed. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. A strong yes, route runner. Uh, a really strong route runner. Yeah. Speed. Okay. You know what? Actually, Adam, that's a perfect segue. Thank you. That's a perfect segue because let's go to Tampa Bay where the Falcons are going against the Buccaneers who lost one of those gritty route runners and Cole Beasley who retired this week unexpectedly. We'll see yep. if the Bucks can overcome that. But um, no, I'm, I'm very curious to see if Tom Brady is 100% healthy after this divorce and uh, ready to go against Marcus Mariota, the good, the good flying Hawaiian. Yeah. Um, I think the Falcons miracle run is kind of going to come to an end here because Cordell Patterson obviously is out. He's hurt. Um, I think he's done for the year. Um, so be anxious to see how they fill that. They have Tyler Algier from BYU who has actually done a really good job backing up Cordell Patterson. He's a the stud. A- he is oh, a stud. I think he's got a future in this league, man. He's got a low center of gravity, really just a hard nosed, tough runner. Um, really, Kind of anxious to see what he does with the opportunity here. But, I mean, just the things that Cordell Patterson does for that Atlanta Falcons offense. Um, just going to be hard to replace. I, you know, for that reason, I don't necessarily love them in this game. So, um, I, I, I'm it's disappointed just, to say the Frisky Falcons seem seem to be dead. This is definitely a game that feels like an underplay here uh, with these offenses and, you know, you know, Tampa's defense, obviously, we know is one of the best in the league, but Atlanta's has played pretty darn good to start the year, too, uh, with Dean Pease as the defensive coordinator coming out of retirement. Uh, they've looked pretty pretty strong with, you know, what they've got over there. So uh, wouldn't be shocked if this under hits, but I am curious to see if Mariota has over seven completions like last week. So, you know, 
Let's see if they can trend in the right direction and actually play some modern football. That would be nice. Like you said, no Corderell Patterson, but Algiers is a stud in the running back game. If they can actually target Drake London and get Kyle Pitts involved, who's to say they don't keep it close? But like you said, it's just hard to pick against Brady and the Bucks, especially with this Falcons team just kind of seems like they're punching above their weight class right now. They've got to come back to earth. Yeah, I mean, it's true that the Falcons will be playing almost divorced guys out there. So, something to keep an eye on. Well, you know, speaking of divorced guys, uh, the former coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer. But anyway, um, Jags are playing the Texans this week, Adam, in an AFC battle that, uh, you know, somebody's got to win usually. But the Jags are pretty good, it seems like. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's kind of – I'll say this. As an Eagles fan, it's hard to completely judge that game because that that game in, in Philly was so – it was wet wild, man. It was it was a fun zone, a splash zone everywhere. Um, I, I don't know. I think they bounce back. I, I, I think it's one of these things. The Texans, once again, name five players, not named Davis Mills. Please, we'll give you a T-shirt. Um, at this point – Damon Pierce, we can add that one to the list. Can I add one more? Because we always forget to talk about O.J. Howard. That's the other one. Oh, he is a Texan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See? We're up to three. We're up to we three. three. We're up to we three, three, folks. Please, Maybe next, hey, if you're next listening week, to we'll this, add a fourth. If you're listening to this, please tweet at us at Breaking Balls Podcast. <laughs> if you could just Texans players, that would be great. We'd really appreciate it. If you're a Texans player, feel free to tag yourself. Oh, we, yeah. We would love to support you. Yes, we would. But uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, this Texans team has been scrappy here. They're not letting anybody get away with any, you know, blowout here. But uh, this Jags team has not been bad to start the year. Doug Peterson seems like he's got Trevor Lawrence somewhat comfortable. You know, obviously he's hit or miss when he, when he shows up. But the Jags offense has got some weapons there. And I would not be shocked if they go into, uh, you know, three and two after five games. I mean, it's not what anybody would expect. It's... Nobody, nobody had this one coming. Uh, if you had this on your bingo card, no, you didn't. But here we are, man. Uh, be anxious to see how how the Jags shake out. Um, that's all I really got about this one, Bob. You caught me rocking a hard place. Ooh. One more, one more early game here: Titans and Commanders. Uh, Titans are going to beautiful FedEx Field, uh, probably the trashiest stadium in all of football. I think every every fan base can probably agree on that one, even even Commanders fans, which usually don't get. But uh, regardless, weird game here. Is Wentz going to bounce back? Is it more of the same? Mine is only one and a half, so Vegas thinks this is going to be a close one here. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of these games of the Titans with the momentum the last couple weeks. They, they need to keep the momentum here, but wouldn't be shocked if just, you know, this is the Carson Wentz Super Bowl game. Hammer the Titans. That offensive line, that that offensive line that the Commanders has is awful, and Carson Wentz only makes them worse. Hammer the Titans! I think the Titans could really get after the quarterback, and I think you're going to see it this week, similar to what happened in Philadelphia, to where you know they were just able to roll and get pressure with their defensive linemen. I think you're going to see a pretty similar game here up front. Um, I just think the Titans have the guys to win at the line of scrimmage on defense, to where they're really going to be able to limit the the commanders and I 
I actually, not because you're my friend, not because we're on this, trying to hype you up for the podcast. I genuinely think the Titans are going to absolutely curb stop them. See, I think it's the other way around. The Titans usually play to their competition, especially under the Vrabel tenure. And, you know, the last couple weeks, their line has played very physical. Is that trend going to keep up or is this Washington team is going to, they've, you know, had a couple of weeks, the last few weeks where they've been kind of beaten off the walls. Ron Rivera going to finally challenge them to come out at home and, you know, show up here. The Titans have played with fire the last couple weeks, not showing up in the second half. And eventually that's going to come back and burn them. And, you know, against a hungry team like Washington, I wouldn't be shocked if they got they got got here. Really, would not add. Yeah, I I guess I can see what you're saying. It's just I truly think that defensive line is too physical for the for the Commanders' offensive line. Be anxious to watch it all day. Well, there's one game that we can start with in the afternoon that we're not going to have to worry about, at least in my opinion. Here, 49ers and Panthers here. As long as the Niners can score 17, I think we're good here. I think we're good. Yeah. Hey, 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 yo, let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Gonna throw so yo, many Garoppolo. touchdowns. Hey, yo. No, nah, but seriously, I think uh, old Jimmy G is going to lead them to victory here. Um, Matt Rule, hot seat game. I think this could be this could be the cut the cord game if they lose this one. I think I think I think this could be it on the Matt Rule tenure in Carolina. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think in the – who you taking, Kyle Shanahan or Matt Rule? When you put it like that, it's just an easy choice. Exactly. It, it is. I mean, I know Jimmy G hasn't looked great to start this year, but on the other side, it's Baker Mayfield. He's looked even worse. And you know, this Panthers offense is, is, is heading toward a historically worse offense in the entire league's history, whether it's time of possession, moving the ball. They're just – inept at everything they do, man. It's just I don't know what I don't know what they practice. I don't know what, what the deal is there. I don't know if putting Darnold in is gonna solve anything or if it's gonna make things worse, but it just feels like Matt Rule is just on borrowed time and every week it just feels like this could be the week. So uh, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean did you see the press conference today where uh old Baker Mayfield asked the um, so basically one of the reporters was criticizing the balls that were getting batted down at the line of scrimmage and they were wondering if he had done anything to kind of work on it, that type of thing. And he straight up asked the reporter, he's like, Oh, well, do you have any drills that I can do? Like, do you know anything? Do you know any drills? I was like, dude, I was like, you're not helping yourself. It's never good when they're doing that. No, nope, when they're lashing good. out like that, that just means things are going bad and they just, yeah, not good. Not going yeah. the last night at reporters. I mean, things are bad in Carolina, but at least they're not Sam Darnold bad, you know? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. This time next week, Ad, we could be singing a very different tune. Oh, 100%. We could. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, we've got Cooper Rush, the 3 and 1 Cowboys, heading down to SoFi and the uh, one of the better games this weekend. Cowboys Rams, kind of sneaky there. Uh, I mean, man. Is Cooper Rush going to keep the hype train going in Tinseltown, or is Matt Stafford going to kind of squash that bug under the champs, going to kind of get some momentum back? I think it depends on which Matt Ryan shows up. Or not Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford shows up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking. I hope Matt Ryan does not show up. Oh, God. I hope Matt, oh, Matt, Matt Ryan, Ryan shows show up. up. It's over. Oh, my God. Please, no, no, God. No, no, hail to the cosmos. Adam, Swan, I, I just, went through, I just no. went through so much hell tonight. Oh, I just no, got I'm it so... out of my brain. 
he's literally a parasite in my brain right now. I can't even say the name Matt without even thinking of Matt Ryan at the moment. But it depends we, on which we, Matt. We finally talked about enough football to get it out of our brains, and there it, it's back. I'm such an idiot. Matt Stafford. Stafford okay. with an S. Matt Stafford, former Detroit Lions yes. quarterback, Super Bowl winner with the with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, has People been forget. very off has been off and on this year. Um, not really sure what's going on with the elbow shoulder situation. Um, if he shows up and slings the ball around and outplays Cooper Rush, I think they're fine. Um, they've got more talent on defense, I think. Um, that front seven is stout enough to stop the Cowboys run game, which I think has opened up a lot of Cooper Rush's options. So I think they stop the run. They win the game. I like the Rams in this game because I think their front seven is going to take over. Anybody know where Allen Robinson is? Paging Allen Robinson. Mr. Robinson, hello. Are you there? Is this thing on? Allen? All right. Would love to see Allen Robinson kind of show up for the Rams. He's got one touchdown in four games. Hasn't had a rapport with with Stafford. So uh, definitely something they got to work on there. I would love to see Cooper Rush keep the momentum going. But I don't know. It just feels like one of those games that they kind of come back to earth a little bit on the road. Um, I don't know. Just I'm picking the Rams here. Not a great feeling either way. But uh, you know what? It's my opinion. And damn it, I'm entitled to it. Yeah. And you know what, Ad? Since we're talking opinions here, and you know you and I are very opinionated, it's time for the it's time for your hate bowl of the week. It's time for Kyler slander, and oh, buddy, guess who Kyler's playing this weekend? Oh, yes. I'm telling you right Kyler now, Murray. Bob. You listen to me and you and listen to me good. You listen to me, Bobby. The Eagles are about to put Kyler Murray in a body bag, an extra small body bag, and carry him back through Lincoln Financial Field and throw him in the jail there so he can't victimize any small children in Call of Duty. 5-0. and You know what? This is your week, buddy. Talk your shit. Let your nuts hang. Kyler Murray is a midget. He's going to play Call of Duty instead of watching film on this Eagles defense that's going to absolutely body him all weekend. And you know what? We're probably going to be talking on Thursday saying we're idiots, but I don't care. Or Monday saying we're idiots, but I don't care. Eagles are going to win 60 to nothing. Book it. Cliff Kingsbury's handsome, but he's not a better coach than Nick Sirianni. Nope. Nick Sirianni is going to drop kick. Cliff Kingsbury, right in the chest. I think there will be a point in this game where for some odd reason, Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray have to confront one another at the 50-yard line, and Jalen Hurts will assert his dominance by ripping Kyler Murray in half and wearing him as a coat. Now, a scarf. He's too small for a coat. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Birds by 60. Bet it. I don't care. We're 5-0. and I hate Kyler Murray. Let's go. Five. Five and oh. Five and oh. Five and oh. Five and oh. Go Birds. Love it. Jalen Hurts is my fantasy quarterback, so I'm on the train with you, my friend. I'm with you there. MVP. Nice. One more game here. The AFC North is going to round out Sunday night football here, Adam. Bengals and Ravens. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. 
You know, we're getting prime time stars here. Is Joe Burrow going to make it through a healthy game? Can the Ravens stop anybody on defense? Is Lamar going to play a full game? Is he going to go for 400 and look great passing? There's so many different variables because these teams have so many different sides to themselves. It's really a crapshoot of what's going to happen here. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, though, Bob, I like how this Bengals offensive line is starting to gel. I think, you know, obviously we're not good at the start of the season, but five, you know, four or five games in here, I think they've started to find their rhythm a little bit. Um, I think Jamar Chase is going to have a big game. Um, I don't like the Ravens secondary matchup against him. Um, Lamar's just a little too inconsistent for me right now. I don't really know what he's going to get. And I don't know, man. There's something about that receiving core that doesn't necessarily do it for me. There's not there's not a ton of weapons for him. So, yeah, I really like I like the Bengals at this spot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I just feels like one of those games. The Ravens, especially after last week, that was an emotional loss coming off of leading Buffalo, just dominated that first half. Obviously, Harbaugh's going to challenge them to come out on national TV, uh, kind of just bounce back, but. It's really hard to pick against Joe Burrow in primetime, man. That guy's just got the it factor. There's just something about him. He just seems to play when the when the lights are shining bright. Seems like that Super Bowl hangover is finally kind of out of Cincinnati. So, uh, like you said, Jamar Chase, you know, quipped for a big game. T. Higgins has played very, very well to start the year. Can Marcus Peters in the secondary that, you know, this Ravens defense has been a bottom five defense statistically in the league. Can they limit that big play? I, I don't see that happening enough Sunday night to to stop Cincinnati in, in winning this game. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with the take, and I guess we'll have to see us both be wrong, and somehow this will go completely in the other direction because we agree. Well, you know, we, we're in a great mood tonight, so we're going to be in a, an even better mood on Sunday night. Uh, you know, If you thought Thursday night football put us in a bad mood, if our teams just come out and shit the bed on Sunday, oh, folks. You're gonna be, you're gonna be having some sad podcasts. Yeah, that's for you, sure. Sad boy podcasts are a possibility. It's just the Eagles are undefeated. So what are you gonna do? But sad sad content does sell. You know, we've seen our my Titans reels go go get some get some steam. So people want to see us sad, Adam. I don't get it. We have haters. I I don't understand it. I you know, I guess um, at the end of the day. Like my idol in life and in moral decision making, Geno Smith once said, "They they write, I don't write back," and that's where I'm at with my haters at the moment. I simply cannot read nor write, so I will not write them back. However, I will continue to speak on the Breaking Balls podcast. Well, Adam, that's a perfect transition here. You mentioned can't can't read, can't write. Let's talk a little college football here. Because uh, two fan bases that uh, – never mind, never mind. Anyway, Tennessee LSU are playing this weekend in other news. Um, down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, home of Bobby Boucher, the water boy. Home of Joe Dirt, actually, by the way, too. That's a you know They sneaked that in the movie there. But uh, anyway. And I think you're missing about talking about my family, Brian Kelly. Old Cajun Commander Kelly, also down in Baton Rouge. Adam, this game is weird because when it jumps out to you, you're thinking, okay, Tennessee's going to boat race LSU, even if it's at Death Valley at noon, noon kickoff or 11 a.m. kickoff. But the Vegas line has it at two and a half, three points. 
Is this going to be an upset? Is this the Brian Kelly signature win that we're going to get year one? Or is this going to be more of the same? This is a dumpster fire, just kind of inevitably going to, you know, Kareem down the rails. You know, in my heart of hearts, I would love to have our limited Tennessee volunteer fan base hear me come on this podcast and say, you know what, folks, it feels like 98. But not so fast, my friend. I think this is vintage, the game that Tennessee shows up and loses. This is this game right here. You circle it on the schedule. Tennessee looks good. They're getting national attention. Everybody's impressed. And Tennessee finds a way to lose this game. It just feels like a game that Tennessee loses. It doesn't make any sense because LSU hasn't really shown you anything that would make you think that, okay, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to, they've got a chance in this game, but the boys in the desert think it's going to be close. And I tend to agree with them. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick LSU in this one outright. Wow. I, nothing in my heart would make me happier to do so. It, it Oh, it pains me to do it. It just Brian Kelly is not the guy down in LSU. Tennessee's got a better quarterback with Hendon Hooker. Jalen Daniels is, you know, hit or miss down in LSU. The transfer from Arizona State. I just don't see them being able to hang with them. I, I if it gets into a shootout, Tennessee's gonna roll here. And I just think it's a trap game. I think the the, the line is sneaky, but I don't think it's that sneaky. I know, I know, Adam, I don't want to pick the vols, but I'm, I'm so gonna pick them. Conf- I'm so confused. Bob, is that is that is that Rocky Top I hear playing out of a nope. home nope. in Hendersonville, nope. Tennessee? Is that Rocky Top? Nope. Uh, I, nope, but that's not where I live. That's not where I live. The IP says somewhere else. Nope. I uh nope, that is not uh, playing in my house. That is absolutely not. No, sir. Nope. Mm, Couldn't be me. Okay. And guess I'll have to uh, I will say Gus's good time deli is the one good thing about Knoxville. Great, great establishment. Great hole in the wall. Grease food if you're drunk late at night, four in the morning. It'll get you right. Look, we don't know much about uh, much about anything on this podcast. Dare I say, quoting, quoting Ozarks, we don't know fuck about shit. However, or shit about fuck, depending on which way you want to go. But when it comes to hole in the wall, greasy spoon diners, when you're drunk, the Breaking Balls podcast has you absolutely 120% covered. We will be your tour guides. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Speaking of uh, known a thing or two, seen a thing or two, Kansas football has seen a thing or two. Mostly horror stories here, Adam. But it pains me as a Missouri alum to say that Lawrence, Kansas, for the first time, is going to be hosting college game day. Undefeated TCU, undefeated Kansas. It's week five, week six. It's week six. Something went horribly, horribly wrong in the simulation here. I don't know what happened. I I don't like it. I don't accept it. I thought this was a joke when you put it in the show notes. We're not talking about Kansas. Okay, that's good. Anyway. Yeah, let's go. Come on. Keep it rolling. No, okay, cool. Cool. We just had to mention that. uh, We we can play Mr. Brightside. It makes me feel a little better. We can can do the chant if we'd like. Never mind, anyway. Uh, Other games here, Ad. One that you're going to be at here. We got a, we've got a live reporter here for this one here. Utah and UCLA in the historic Rose Bowl down in Pasadena. Uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham's Utes, they're, they're one of the favorites up there with USC for the Pac-12. They've got to win this game. But that being said, UCLA is saying, oh, there's a third team in this hunt. 
And DTR and the boys are rolling, let me tell you. Yeah, they look really good. Um, you know, what are the better names in college football at quarterback? What are the better names? Cam Rising versus DTR here. Good quarterback name matchup. You know, Aunt Debbie's got me waking up at 9 a.m. to get there early for the tailgate. A big Utes fan, so I'm going to be tailgating with some Utah fans. Hopefully, you know, we, we figure out the alcohol situation. Kind of nervous about that. I guess we'll figure it out there in the parking lot. But um, anyway. I didn't want to ask, but I was curious. I was very yeah. curious. Yeah, I guess we'll have to figure that out. Anyway. No, I guess kidding. you her are aunt, too. Her, no, her aunt, and her, <laughs> friends are, her aunt and her friends are a blast, man. They're a really good time. They all drink okay. their blast. No, we're going to have a good time at this game. But, uh, yeah, going, going to the Rose Bowl. Um Wish me luck getting in and out of there. It's kind of a hellhole traffic-wise. But, yeah, man, excited. I think it's going to be a good football game. UCLA um, really has come on when not a lot of people expected them to. Um, I don't know. I really just still like Utah in this game. I think they're a little more battle-tested. I like uh, I like Cam Rising in this battle. Um, yeah, it's Utah for me. I don't think you, I don't think UCLA – you know, I think the, the magic stops here. You know what? I actually think that UCLA is going to win this game. I think they're the hot hand right now. Uh, you know, I don't think that the home field advantage means anything in the Pasadena, but that being said, I think they've got the better players right now. Obviously, Cam Rising is a great player at Utah, but, you know, that offense is a little slower. UCLA can score in bunches here, and you, know, you saw them hold that Washington team that was really high-powered last week to a low-scoring first three quarters. Yeah, they rallied in the fourth when they got desperate, but – that UCLA team has come to play this year, and I think they're going to hold this Utah team better than most people think. If they can, if they can control the line of scrimmage even somewhat, I think that they're going to have this game, and I think that they're going to win. I really do, and I think that they're going to insert themselves into that Pac-12 conversation and say, "Hey, it's not just USC. Utah's done. It's it's a U it's a UCLA show here." Okay, I'm anxious to see this one, Bob. Um, you know, we're we're talking about UCLA. Um, little disclosure, my fiance works at UCLA and to transition, Bob, my fiance is currently at the Kelsey Ballerini concert. Um, Kenny Chesney showed up out of nowhere at this concert, but Miss White and, um, lovely Jenna Thomas are both there. And let's just say they're relying on one half of this podcast to get them home. And this, this concert may or may not have ended roughly five minutes ago. Well, we've got one more game to break down than here, my friend, then we can get out of here. Yep, we got one more, and I otherwise, we may not have a podcast on Sunday. All right, well, we've got Bama and L- we've got Bama A&M to round out the nightcap here. Obviously, these teams have been chirping each other in the press conferences all offseason. You know, Jimbo beat Bama last year in A&M off a walk-off kick, you know, can they do it again, or is this going to be Bama just pissed off and ready for greatness? And you know they've had it circled all year. Yeah, I think this is one that, especially Saban, has had circled all year. Um, I think obviously Jimbo, congratulations on being the first assistant to beat Saban, but now it's time to pay the piper, and it's time to pay for it. And I, I think I think yeah. uh, Bama rolls in this one. I you know A and M has just had a tough year. I don't think this is the get right game for them. I, I think Bama rules here, even though Bryce Young is going to be a game time decision. So be anxious to see if he plays or not. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's a game time decision, but that being said, I don't think it's going to matter just because Bama has just been waiting for this game. Jimbo talks so much shit about Saban in the off season. Once Saban talked about, you know, A&M buying players, 
there's so much bulletin board material on both sides. And let me tell you, if it's a motivation factor and both teams are fired up, Alabama every single time, especially at home at night at Brian Denny, Nick Saban against his former assistant, it's a recipe for an absolute bloodbath in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night on CBS. Yep. Let the band play Dixieland Delight at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I think it's going to be a good night in Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. Well, I can see my co-host is angsty about getting out of here, so we'll wrap this podcast up. Episode 16 of Breaking Ball, Sweet 16, Thursday Night Football fucking sucks. Matt Ryan sucks. Russell Wilson sucks. William Byron's penalty getting overturned kind of sucked, but it depends on who you ask there. Adam, any thoughts here? No. Did anything uh, not suck? No, not really. I mean, I guess kickers, but kickers always by default suck. So, I mean, I guess talking about the possibility of the weekend not sucking didn't suck. So that was cool. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Glass half full there. Yeah. Yeah. Glass half full. Hopefully I don't get my ass kicked uh, when I eventually get up to the Greek theater to pick up uh, Anna and Miss Thomas. So um, if you're listening, hello, I'm coming to pick you up. All right. Well, that was episode 16. Hope you all enjoyed. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday night for a little more content here. But uh, appreciate you all listening. Have a good one.